Good morning. Welcome to chapel. This summer, Hillary, Quinn, and I experienced churches and cultures very different from what we were used to, and we met lots of new people. For the passing of the peace this morning, I encourage you to greet at least five new people who are unfamiliar to you, so seek out those faces who you may have seen in passing but never spoken to. Good morning. Welcome to chapel and happy Friday. My name is Quinn. I am a senior interdisciplinary studies and public relations double major. And this past summer, I participated in the Ministry Inquiry Program, or as we call it here at Goshen, MIP. It's generally a summer church internship program through campus ministries where Goshen students have the opportunity to work in various churches under the mentorship of a pastor to learn the ins and outs of church ministry and explore ministry as a vocation. This morning, the other MIPers, Bree Brubaker and Hillary Harder, and I will be sharing our stories from our MIP experiences this past summer. We all worked in the United States, but in many ways, our experiences were cross-cultural. Here at Goshen, we are also a mix of cultures, international and domestic. This morning, let's remember Paul's letter to the Galatians. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We light the Christ lamp this morning to symbolize the unity that we share in Jesus, who broke down walls between us. I invite you all to turn to number 52 in the Sing the Journey Green Book. Jesus help us live in peace, which is also called unity.
This summer, I worked in Philadelphia at Oxford Circle Mennonite Church. The congregation is in the middle of a really racially diverse urban neighborhood in Philly. And the people who are a part of the church represented that. Oxford Circle isn't really a this kind of church or a that kind of church. It's more or less a mixture of a lot of different people and colors and culture. Most of the work I did this summer was for a summer camp for the neighborhood that the church started as a summer camp counselor. The camp was educational, but the kids didn't really want to be in school, and so we tried to do fun things with them by taking them on field trips and doing cool activities. And mainly, I did a lot of crowd control uh, with a lot of kids, but I also taught a journalism workshop. And so together, we wrote articles about what we did on camp days. We wrote features about different people working in the church building. And with my middle school group, I had them write editorials about the US involvement in the Syrian conflict. And I'll be honest, I think some policymakers could really use some middle school wisdom. <laughs> One of the first exercises I did in our journalism workshop had to do with telling stories. I told my kids that journalists tell the story of the world, and if we want to be journalists, we should also practice telling stories. And so we began by practicing telling our own stories. And I took a few pictures of my favorite stories, and here is Aiden's personal story. He says, my life go like this, my home is across the street, and I like videos. And he also illustrated it. This is a picture of Aiden playing video games. And so another kid uh, got really into drawing his story, and he did a really great job. He used colors, uh, but he didn't get a chance to finish writing it, so I don't really know what happens, but it looks pretty interesting. <laughs> so we can just use our imagination on that one. And so once we got a grasp on our own personal stories, I found some booklets to give to the kids that had on the front a picture of a kid about their age who lived in a country other than the United States. And inside these little booklets, the, they told stories about the kid growing up in a non-United States country. And it had facts about their culture, food they like to eat, and the kids got pretty interested in this, and so afterward, I gave them pieces of paper and crayons to have them make their own booklets. And we didn't have a lot of time to get into detail, so I told the kids, you can take your booklets home and work on them if you want, or you can forget about them, or go show your parents. But one of my campers got really into this booklet idea, and so he went home and spent the entire evening finishing his booklet. And he's nine years old, and his name's Isaiah. And this just really impresses me, because for a nine-year-old, this is like a huge project. And look, he has like a crossword puzzle, or a word search, which was kind of hard. I didn't do very well. Um, a maze that I went the wrong way, and I had to start over. So this is like pretty complex stuff here. 
And he did research. He has all kinds of facts about Philadelphia, where he lives. And he even taught us how to say a greeting in his native language, hi. <laughs> so I don't know if, if this is that cool to you. To me, it's really cool because it shows that Isaiah really, really learned how to tell his story. And while I was teaching my campers how to tell their stories, I was thinking about my own story. I was asking myself things this summer like, who am I in this urban context? I wanted to ignore the fact that I grew up in the suburbs, that I have a skin color that comes with a lot of privilege, just being born the way I am. And I wasn't sure how qualified I was to be a role model to a bunch of kids who grew up in a world totally different than mine in urban Philly. And so at first, I tried to hide, like in my own skin. I wasn't comfortable with who I was. And I tried to convince myself and everyone else around me that I could understand the struggles and joys of growing up urban. But at some point, I realized I can't do that because that's not me. And I had to realize that the only way I could build authentic relationships with people who are different than me is by owning up to who I am. I had to learn what I bring to the table, all of my suburban background, white skin, and privilege, and I have to be at peace with that. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians, for Jesus is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing walls, that is, hostility between us. Once I became okay with how God made me, I saw a lot of dividing walls coming down. You're the God of the city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are. You're the light in the darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are. Cause there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things 
things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city greater things have yet to come and greater things are still to be done here You're the God of this city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are. You're the light in the darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are. And there is no one like My name is Hillary, and I'm a junior Spanish and music double major. I spent this summer working at Iglesia Menonita Casa Betania, a Spanish-speaking church in Newton, Kansas. It's a small but spirited congregation, made up of about 30 people, more like an extended family than a church. During the 10 weeks that I spent with this church, I was welcomed into that family more than I could have ever imagined. In the process, I learned a lot about myself, about the everyday realities and rich culture of Latinos in the U.S., and about the true meaning of ministry. Many of my tasks this summer were not what you'd expect in a church-related job. Within the first few days, my mental image of sitting behind a tidy desk flew out the window. Instead, I went to people's houses for lunch and played with kids in the park and ran errands. In fact, I learned perhaps my most important lesson while cleaning out a garage. 
The church's annual garage sale was approaching, and I spent a week helping church members prepare for the sale. One morning, I was working with a man named Carlos. He asked me why I chose to work at Casa Betania for the summer. I gave an answer, something vague and fluffy about wanting to experience a Spanish-speaking church. Carlos's response took me off guard. He looked at me and said, you know, there's a lot you don't know. He began to tell me stories about individuals in the church. Did you know that Estela swam across the river with her infant son? Have you heard about the desert? A lot of people want to help us, he said. But if you want to help, you have to know us first. Carlos's honesty flipped a switch in my mind. I realized that I needed to transform my position from one of ignorant privilege into a humble desire to learn and form bonds of mutual respect. No apology could undo my thoughtless comment, but through my actions, I could try to show humility and commitment. Throughout the rest of the summer, I learned to relinquish my need for a busy schedule and to embrace long, wonderful days of sitting, talking, and eating with people. I learned to make delicious Mexican tamales. I watched movies with the 13 and 14-year-old youth from the church. I went to birthday parties and outings to the public pool. My best friends were the little girls who played tag with me and the middle-aged people who told me their incredible life stories. I learned to accept every invitation and to jump into anything new with both feet. This is ministry, and I learned to make it a way of life. As the summer went on, I continued to observe, learn, and embrace things I was experiencing. The people of Casabetania are, for the most part, new to the Christian faith. They didn't grow up going to church and singing hymns as I did, and yet they taught me so much about what it means to be a Christian. First of all, they pray constantly. If something unexpectedly good happens, they pray joyful prayers of thanks to God. If something discouraging or sad happens, the first thing they do is drop what they're doing and pray about it. Their prayers are eloquent and spiritual, or whispered and private. Their prayers remind me that God is never far from their thoughts, and this challenged me. How often do I drop what I'm doing and pray? How often do any of you? I felt immediately at home in the church services at Casa Betania, where everyone sang at the top of their voice, and we spent a good 10 minutes at the beginning so we each could greet each person. I love the spontaneous sharing and the long, eloquent sermons, all in Spanish, of course. It was a worship style new to me, but by the end of the summer, I had preached, led music, and helped lead worship. Offerings made by everyone were appreciated and affirmed. One last thing I learned about Casa Betania, they loved to celebrate. They welcomed me with a party, and they hosted a huge celebration for the church's fifth anniversary. One time, somebody brought a cake for a celebration that simply said, thanks to God for the gift of life. I think we should all eat cake sometimes, just thanking God for being alive. <laughs> My final week at Casa Betania, there was a farewell party for me where I felt more loved and accepted than I ever could have imagined. My time at Casa Betania truly was a blessing, and I still feel a part of the family. Just the other day, I got a text from my supervisor, the pastor, Jaime Casares, whose wife, Suelen, had been pregnant this summer, and he sent me a picture of a baby with the words, Ya nació nuestra hija, our daughter's born. 
I felt very honored to receive that message. I wish for all of you that sometime in your life you get to be an outsider, to approach with humility and a desire to learn, and with arms open to embrace the love you will surely receive. I would like to invite now um, Andrea, Ashi, no, Becky and Angeliki to come up and sing a song that we learned a couple weeks ago in chapel. Um, this is a song that I learned at Casa Bethania, um, and I'd like to share it with you all again. Si tuvieras fe como un grano de mostaza. And it's about having faith as small as a mustard seed. You can move mountains. And would you all please stand, and we invite you to join us in dancing. <laughs> I'm Bree Brubaker, and I'm an ASL major my third year here at Goshen. This summer, with MIP, I was given the opportunity to literally give someone a voice. I was in a park at Goshen with a group of excited kids who were all running around on the spray of water from the splash pad. Michelle, our camp program director, and I were chatting on the sidelines when a woman we didn't know approached us. 
Michelle is deaf and she uses American Sign Language as her main form of communication, but she also lip reads and speaks with hearing people. However, this time she asked me to give voice to what she was signing. I was shocked. Me, interpret for a woman who I respected so much? My ASL vocabulary was so basic. But she was patient with me, and together we got her message across to this woman. This summer, as I continued to learn more about myself, I also found myself in the role of a mediator between young and old, hearing and deaf, Mennonite and non-Mennonite. I worked at College Mennonite Church here in Goshen, right here in this building, and often I found myself in the unique role of bridging two cultures. I worked in kind of a two-part role, directly for College Church, doing things like coordinating a Bible class for four-year-olds, which was very hectic but fun, and also for the Deaf Ministries program within College Mennonite. It was a summer of being pushed out of my comfort zone and often finding that I had something within me that was up to the challenge. College Mennonite supports this day camp for deaf kids, and I spent a lot of my time either brainstorming and organizing for these Tuesdays and Thursdays or running around with the kids and doing lots of fun things. We had a wide range of backgrounds and ages in the program. There were six-year-olds and 11-year-olds. There's two Amish girls and people whose families don't attend church. There are deaf kids. We had hard-of-hearing kids, kids who use cochlear implants, and hearing kids. Despite this diversity, the children got along surprisingly well, forming strong bonds. I also volunteered for a week with an overnight camp for deaf children and their siblings. I worked with the four to six-year-old group, and I learned a lot about how to negotiate whose turn it is for that piggyback ride. I also learned just how long it takes for kids of this age to take a shower or to brush their teeth. During the week, the other counselors and I were faced with how to encourage hearing kids to sign instead of speak, so the deaf kids weren't excluded from the conversation. It was with mixed feelings that I saw the four deaf kids in our group gravitate toward each other by the end of the week. The language barrier between ASL and English is a very hard one to overcome. However, one of the deaf boys and a hearing girl often held hands as we herded the campers from activity to activity. The blossoming romance wasn't hindered by language or the fact that they were only six. <laughs> the boy came into the week desperately missing his mom and having trouble playing with the other kids. By the end of the week, he told us that he wished deaf camp was his home. In the room of my cabin, I had two little girls, one hearing and one deaf. The hearing girl came in with virtually no knowledge of sign language and seemed to have no motivation to learn it. But we kept going, and when I read bedtime, girl, uh, bedtime stories to the girls, I read them once in English and once in ASL. As the week went along, though, this hearing girl realized that to communicate with the other girl, she need, needed to sign. And by the end of the week, this unlikely pair had become friends. Most of all, I value the connections and the friendships that I made this summer. I interacted with people from all walks of life, and the wisdom that each one gave me is invaluable. With each person I talked to, I saw a different face of God. Even better, sometimes I was able to be the bridge between two very different people, so they could see in each other the face of God. Now, I'd like you to join with me in singing a song that was very popular at Gluff Camp. It's called Big Big House. Maybe some of you know it. So I'm going to ask Mia to come up here, and she'll sign. So you're welcome to either sing, or if you want to try to copy some of the signs, there's a sign for house, for food, and table. So if you'll all stand and join with me.
Thank you all for joining us today to hear our stories from the summer. And we invite you to join now in our closing song, number 322 in the hymnal, for we are strangers no more. Yes, please stand. <laughs> Thank you. 